Welcome back to Between the Shelves. This is your host, Alex. And once again, I am joined by Peter from Adult Services. Welcome, Peter. Thank you. So this is our What Are You Into episode. So we're going to talk about what we're into. Um, I'll launch off here. I am into, uh, I just finished a great book. Um, It's called A Fire in the Heartland by Timothy Egan. Um, Timothy Egan is a National Book Award winner or a Pulitzer winner. I forget which. Maybe both. Uh, he wrote. He writes nonfiction. This is another nonfiction book. Uh, the last book I read by him, which I've talked about, I think, in previous episodes, is called The Worst Hard Time, and it's about the Dust Bowl in uh, in the early 1900s. And this is another book set around that time, um, but this one takes place in Indiana, and it's the story of a notorious character named D.C. Stevenson, who became the Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan in the 1920s. So this story, uh, the title is called, again, A Fire in the Heartland. It follows this, the D.C. Stevenson, um, the man, basically it follows his rise from uh, kind of like a snake oil salesman kind of CD character up through, rising through the ranks of the KKK, eventually taking it over and all the way to the peak of his power where he basically ran the state of Indiana. Um, he had the governor, he had the, the Congress like in his pocket, basically. He paid off the police, he had his own private police force, and he managed much of the Midwest and beyond um, Ku Klux Klan in the United States through the late 20s and, and early 30s. Um, and at the peak of their power, they had over 6 million members in 21 states. So he was an incredibly powerful character at the time, someone I'd never heard of. And apparently he had aspirations to run for president, and a lot of people thought he could do it. Um, so the, the first third of the book or so kind of details his his rise. Um, or the first, I guess, maybe two-thirds of the book kind of detail his rise. Um you know, his corruption, how he maintained power, how, you know, the some of the atrocities that he committed while he was in charge of the Ku Klux Klan. And the last third of the book, it kind of pivots into a court drama. So um, it basically it details the downfall of D.C. Stevenson and in part the Ku Klux Klan. And um, it's a very, very interesting story. It's it doesn't. Um, it was basically all brought down by one woman. Um, it sort of reminded me of the, how Truman Capote and the mafia was brought down in Chicago, where you know you'd think it was for all the murdering and all the things like that that would take him down, but it was tax evasion that brought down Capone. And in a similar vein, was it tax? I think you said Truman Capote instead oh, of no. Al Capone with the <laughs> Al <first> Capone. Time. <laughs> we had to take down. Not the, the same. The, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, Al Capone, sorry. Um, So it's a similar story with Stevenson. Um, He was actually, he brought down by, from a rape case of all things. He he raped his secretary and the secretary, uh, and he, he, I know, I'm sorry, this is very dark for an episode, but um, she ended up dying as a result of it. And on her deathbed, she wrote, basically a letter to her lawyer detailing all of this and um it's going through a crazy court battle to even see if this was admissible evidence and uh, it's a really riveting story but uh, you know 
spoiler, you know, he was convicted and, and it brought down much of the KKK at the rise of its, at the peak of its power. So it's a really incredible story. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to read this book, one, because I like the author, but two, it takes place in a time that I don't think, at least in my experience, it's not a era of American history that's taught or gone into in much depth in school. The, you know, the era of like late Reconstruction, Jim Crow era, to up until, you know, the World Wars. That's when, you know, most history classes start picking up because it's exciting and the kids are getting excited with big nations fighting one another. But yeah. this is an important part of American history and a lot of it we're still living through today. So I think this should be, you know, required reading because it, it really paints a, a very vivid picture of this era of time. Um, but it was a really great book. I highly recommend it. And, um, you know, it's it's a riveting tale. It's It ends on as good as any Hollywood blockbuster movie. I mean, it's a big courtroom drama and I was riveted all the way through. So that's the uh, that's the a book that I'm really into. I highly recommend it. Anything? Sounds fascinating. Peter, what are you into right now? Um, I may have told you about this before. I'm telling everybody I know about it because I really love this new show. It's called Mrs. Davis. It's uh, it's on Peacock, which is like the MD- NBC streaming service. But um, it's a uh, co-show run by Damon Lindelhoff, who um, he he did Lost, he did The Leftovers, he did Fringe. He's one of my favorite showrunners. Like if he's involved, I'll always watch it. But uh, it was written um, by I don't remember her name, but she was a comedy sitcom show writer. She would she wrote for like the Big Bang Theory and some like network sitcoms, but it's a story of an AI that at least in the U.S. is called Mrs. Davis um, that basically takes over the world. Everybody, you know, there's like there's no more conflict. Everybody has like on their phone or in their earpiece. She kind of tells you what to do, and um, there's things like you can get wings where if you do enough good stuff that she has you do, you get wings. And basically if, um, if people film you on their phone, you'll see wings and it's like, people are doing all sorts of things and Mm -hmm. she's really controlling everything and everything seems good, but there's the main character who is played by Betty Gilpin, who is uh, one of my favorite actresses. She plays a nun that, um, refuses to use the AI and is like bent on, um, Taking it down. Taking it down, basically. And she eventually the AI gets her to speak to her. She won't speak to her and and tells her if... Uh, it has like, you know, she's a nun. It has a religious connotation. The, the AI, Mrs. Davis. Uh, in England, she's called Mum. And in other places, she has different names. But sends her on a quest that she says, if you if you complete this quest for me, I'll, I'll do anything you want me to do. And it's to find the Holy Grail. But her price of finding it is say if 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 I find it then you have to basically end yourself shut down so it's really fun it's weird it's very weird it's funny um, but it's it's got a, a really good mix of strangeness and drama and laughter it's it's like a you know really easy to eat uh, to watch in bite size it's in bite size pieces it's really fun to watch and I really highly recommend it yeah it sounds right up this my alley famous. what is it on again it's on peacock which okay. is uh, if you don't have it um maybe you know somebody who does 
does. I can't say that officially. <laughs> but yeah, it's, you know, or you can you can subscribe and then cancel it when you're done. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth it. All right. How far are they in the season right now? I think they um, actually posted the whole thing. Oh, okay. So I haven't finished it. I'm trying to save it because I like it so much. So I, I try not to watch more than one there or two episodes. All right. Well, yeah, one month of Peacock. It sounds worth it. Yeah. You know, subscribe, <laughs> enjoy the show, and then sign up. Very cool. Yeah, I definitely want to check out that show. I've seen a lot of a lot of good yeah. things about it. Um, the only other thing I wanted to talk about is I'm a big movie watcher. Uh, anyone who's probably listened to this should know that by now, or anyone who knows me knows that, um, at least judged by our Oscar episodes. <laughs> so I watch a lot of movies, and I use a website called Letterboxd to track all of my movies. If you aren't aware of it, it's sort of like Goodreads, but for movies um, with a little bit better aesthetic, I think. So I've been tracking my movies on Letterboxd for a long, long time, and I noticed that I was approaching my 2000th movie. I was coming up on it, and I kind of got like a paralysis effect. I didn't know what my 2000th movie should be, and I I was kind of tearing my hair out about it, and I was kind of stuck at 1,999 movies logged for a long time, like weeks. And uh, I finally broke through, I'm happy to say, and now I've been catching up on my movies, back to my regular pace. Um, so I want to talk about the two movies I watched back to back to break through this this little blockade I had set up for myself. So the my two thousandth movie I logged is a movie called Russian Ark. Um, Peter, I think I was telling you about this earlier. So this movie came out in two thousand one, and I heard about it then, and I've been wanting to watch it for a long, long time. So I thought this okay, this is a the right time to watch it. Um, the movie is, it's set in Russia at the Russian Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg. Uh, and the movie is famous for being shot in one continuous shot. It's a, The film's about 90 minutes long, an hour and a half roughly, and it's all one shot. Now, I know a lot of movies like 1917 and movies subsequently have come out that kind of look like they were shot in one take, but they were not. It's, it's just magic of editing. But this movie was actually shot in one continuous shot, and it all takes place in the Russian Her- Hermitage Museum. So the, the, the plot is very loose. It's hard to describe, but it's basically you, you are, it's from the perspective of a ghost who is the ghost of a 19th century French diplomat who is basically wandering the halls of this museum and witnessing events throughout Russian history over the last 300 years, basically. So you witnessed, you know, Catherine the Great, Peter the Great, uh, World War II. All of these events are happening as you're walking through the halls. So it's a huge production. There was over 2,000 actors involved. There are three separate orchestra scenes. So they had three orchestras set up in the museum. Um, it's absolutely a breathtaking to behold and the longer you watch the movie the more attention builds because you're just hoping that no actor flubs their line or somebody in the background sneezes or something and especially towards the end of the movie where it's been going on for an hour and it's all one shot and the movie just builds and builds it's not like towards the end of the movie they just start doing like you know monologues or something you know something easy to shoot it just gets bigger and bigger and the final scene of the movie has hundreds of actors and i don't know how they pulled it off Apparently they did it on, on their third take. 
They, they oh, I was just going to th- say, it must have taken a hundred million takes to do so, it. Uh, no, it was the third take, they nailed it. And I'm glad they nailed it because they only had permission to shoot in the museum for one day. So if they didn't get it, that was it. They were going to make their movie. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a great movie. It's, you know, I don't re- recommend it for everyone, but if you're a fan of cinematography or movie history or Russian history, it's it's... A really interesting film. I mean, it looks beautiful. It's beautiful. The set pieces, everything. It's it's really great. And the other movie I watched, kind of uh, switching gears a little bit. This one's much more fun. Uh, it's a an anime film called Mind Game. So I wish I saw this movie before we did our anime episode because this is one of the best anime movies or animated movies I've ever seen. Um, it's the story of a young man who is murdered and he... Basically, he goes to heaven and then he decides he doesn't want to die. He wants another chance at life. So he escapes heaven and is reborn moments before he dies and gets a, ch- a second chance at life and, and love. He's There's a girl he's pining after. So that's kind of like the basic premise. But the movie is wild. The animation style is is amazing. It, it blends together a bunch of different animes and animation styles it mixes mediums. It will go to live action quickly. It'll go to stop motion animation. And it kind of weaves back and forth depending on the mood it's trying to tell. And it's absolutely a wonder to behold. It's I don't know how they pulled it off. And it was the director's first film too, which is even more impressive. Um, but after watching it, I, it reminded me of Everything Everywhere All at Once, which won you know Best Picture last year. And I can absolutely see the parallels between the two with not only the themes, but the action sequences in, in Mind Game um, are very, very, very similar to Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I can see where Everything Everywhere All at Once kind of got inspiration or definitely pulled some ideas from this movie um, because it's this movie has a lot to do with like the metaverse and your choices and how that affects you know different outcomes of your life and fate and all those kind of themes. And uh, the action sequences in the movie are very... If you've seen everything everywhere all at once, you know what I'm talking about. It's hard to describe. We'll just do extremely quick flashes of all these different outcomes that could happen of your life. And they're all absurd in different ways and, you know, all kinds of things like that. So really great movie. And if you want to watch either of them, they're both available on the library streaming apps. So I watched Russian Ark on Canopy, which is a free service you can get from the library. And Mind Game is available on Hoopla, another free app you get through your library card. So if you want to check those out, they're available for free to you right now. I definitely want to see those. Those sound really good. Yeah, check out the the trailers for um, for Mind Game at least. It's a trip. It's fun, even if you just. I loved everything everywhere all at once. So <laughs> the Mind Game in particular, I think I would be really into. I think you would too. And they're they're both not very long either. They're under you know ninety minutes or so. Yeah. They're not super super long. And that's all I got for this episode. I got one more Excellent. quick one. Uh, another TV show. If you're looking for a good um, murder mystery show uh, on PBS, there is uh, it's Masterpiece Mystery. It's uh, Magpie Murders. And it's, you know, classic um, sort of Agatha Christie style uh, murder show in some ways. But the way it works is that in, you know, contemporary times, there's a small publisher in London and they have their one author that's like their only profitable author he writes these uh these murders it's a detective i 
sorry, I should have written it down. I don't know, remember the name of the detective, but he's a, you know, man. The, and anyway, it's, it's, he's writing a book and, um, it's the next book in the series and they, they're about to do a big merger with a big publishing company and they're betting they, they, they won't do it without the new book. Cause that's their big profitable author. And, um, the author dies and they don't know if he's been murdered. It, it looks like suicide, but they're, and they, uh, it's right after they've been given the manuscript for the final book. So the, the main character in the movie, she's, she works, she's like the copy editor or the editor for the publishing. She reads through the whole thing and the last chapter is missing. So you don't know how the, what happens, but, um, so they're, and the, the novelist said in like, the, I think the forties, fifties, like just post World War II. Mm -hmm. So there's see half the scenes there, they, they go through what's going on at the story. And since they don't know how it ends, there's the mystery there of how that ends. And, um, the life of the author, he, the, the author in real life finds out he has cancer. And then the, the character, the detective also okay. does. And so they're simultaneously, they kind of flip back forth. They're telling the mystery from the story as the same time they're trying to solve the mystery from, you know, what happened to the author. Right. So it's a really good um, mystery. I think it's only three or four episodes. Like, you know, a lot of British shows are. So yeah. I recommend that on PBS. Awesome. I'll check that out. It should be on probably DVD, a lot of the PBS shows. Yeah, I'm sure it will be if it's not yet. All right. Great recommendations. Thank you, Peter, for joining me again. Um, that's all we got for this episode. So stay tuned for uh, future episodes. I'm not sure what the next one will be. I have to, we'll have to figure that out. But uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be a good one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Bye.